Good morning, Father. Abba Yahweh, thank you for this opportunity again and these things that I've been pondering through the day. So I was working and talking with you and the Spirit coming and speaking to me, guiding through the day. Thank you, Father God, for the time to be able to share and again be in your treasury, your treasure to share, Father, your un ending resources from heaven that you pour out that I can be about your business and share your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen, and worthy of all worship. So <clears throat> I had a continuation from some of what we were talking about, and I'm going to continue because it came to mind and I wanted to share, but I was getting a little verbose. Um, still don't know where that came from. But I like to share the word and God brings people to me during the course of my day. And I mean, this evening I was talking to a gentleman who is so willing and eager to hear us talking about God and how God is sovereign and all these things that are going on in the troubles in the world. But you know, one of the greatest things that I love is that God never sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't nap. He doesn't doze off. He's awake and constantly vigilant of his creation and in particular his children that accepted that Jesus Christ is an only begotten son, have faith in him and want to walk with the Holy Spirit guiding their steps. It pleases him so much. And when we come to him in prayer, it's just a wonderful thing for... Here's what we have to keep in mind. These these two readings that I was... They're nearly hand in hand. Well... They are hand in hand. Um, but one of these things that we have to understand and realize and never forget, although Satan tries to get us to do so, is God's love for us is not anything that we do. We can't do nearly enough for the fact that Jesus Christ came and died, shed his blood, was beaten mercilessly, mercifully, merciless. <laughs> I can't even say it now. I, it's very early in the morning and I have to go to bed. Sorry. Mercilessly, mercilessly. Boy, that was tough. But we did a Bible study when I was much younger. And um, one of the documents and things that was shared with us was a put together by a physician, much like Luke. And the description that he did, the physicality and the things that Jesus endured because of uh, he was a historian, a physician, a practicing physician, and a specialist in several fields. And uh, he put together this document. And there's some parts of it that are really pretty graphic, actually. But the Romans became very proficient at crucifixion and torture and things that they did. They wanted to dominate by fear. Remember what I share with you all the time. Being fearful drives one to do things that they don't normally do. And the greatest control factor that anyone can have over anyone else is fear. If you get them to be afraid or fearful of what the repercussions are, if they don't accomplish something or do what they're told. Someone can ask you something. Hey, do you think you can get to this when you get a chance or would you do this? And the answer is, yeah, I'll see if I have time or, um, yeah, I'll see. 
But if you make that same person afraid that if they don't do what you tell them to do or what you ask them to do, and you make them afraid of what would happen, I would wager money if I was into that, that they would definitely do what they, if you could get them to believe that they had a reason to be fearful, they would do exactly what you tell them you want them to do. Look around you in the world and see what's going on today. People are being driven by fear. Fear is a great motivator. It's a great hurting device. And whether you like it or not, Homo sapiens are a member of the animal kingdom and they are a herding group. They will follow the leader. If they think that that leader has got something to say and it sounds good, it may be completely false, but if it sounds right, you can have people jump on that. Just like you've got people, oh, a cheetah's a leopard. Well, no, it isn't. Biology says that they're two different species. No, no, no. Cheetah is a leopard. They're the same. One and the same. And you have so many people that are jumping onto that and saying, oh, yeah, that's true. You have cases of, like with the pit bulls. I'm sorry, but I know historically that those dogs were not bred for fighting. And you have people that will swear that they were bred specifically as fighting dogs. No, they were not. Pit bulls were bred as a nanny dog. Historically, they were called a nanny dog. They were babysitters and left in the house during the Depression era to take care of the children while mom and dad and the elder members of the family were out working just so they could survive. And the pit bull stayed and guarded the house, guarded the children. And they are the most forgiving. I raised a rescue and I raised one from a puppy. It was a pit bull mix. Loyal, fiercely loyal and eager to do what they were supposed to do or what they were asked to do by their person, by their human. They were eager for doing that. They're drawn to children. They love elderly people. But because of the propaganda and ignorant people telling everyone that their fighting dogs are mean, ferocious, untrainable, and there's a police department that took all pit bulls and took them in for their new drug dogs, search dogs. And all. Highly trainable. They love them. And they're also very protective. And you have people that are going around this world today, right now. This is why there's so much that's going on. And people will believe whatever the media tells them. And whatever the media is being fed, they will repeat it. I was looking at a video just uh, yesterday, and you could hear that it was a voiceover news report, supposedly all this stuff that's going on in Ukraine, between the Ukraine and Russia, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even correct. As a military person, I knew that the aircraft in the air was not what they were claiming it to be. They were talking about um, this uh, system of, of gun, guns that are computer driven on the ground that we're having a fight with this aircraft and they were saying it's a Russian and this and that. And the next step is that the Russians are going to nuke and all this other stuff. But the, the report, but the aircraft in the air was an exercise and it was a training exercise and it wasn't even a Russian aircraft. That was a United States A-10, what's called a warthog. And anybody that had, and there were a lot of people that were giving feedback on this because they were military people, and they recognized what the aircraft was, and it was not a... The Russians don't have anything like it, but the media was saying it was so. Things that are going on in the world today. I cannot express enough. Listen in. Lean in and listen to the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom of the Lord God Almighty, and don't be fearful. God doesn't mind if you're afraid. He knows that you are, but don't be fearful. Don't be reactionary. Don't be overreactive to things that are not true. Search the truth. The Holy Spirit will give you discernment over things. Brothers and sisters, I cannot stress this enough to you. I get that. The Holy Spirit has given me such a gift. And sometimes 
it hurts my heart because I'm able to discern things that he guides me into. And there's instances with my pastor, I love the man dearly, but I can also know when he's trying to be overtly one way with a congregation, but then when he turns and he finds me in the congregation and listening, and I catch his look, and he looks at me because he's learned and he knows that I know. <laughs> he knows that I know. And what I get from him is just pray, pray. And we must pray for our pastors and our elders of the church. They are here for a reason. They are anointed for this purpose. And they require our prayers for their strength, their uprightness, their boldness, their courage, and not to step down or step aside. And it's hard for them, especially in this day and age, because they try to comfort and be there for everyone. Can you imagine a congregation of several hundred people and every day trying to accommodate and comfort everyone and everyone requires something different or wants something different? declaring a needs. Many have needs that are all different from another. And then there are some that confuse wanting with needing. And he has to be able to formulate some way to, to acquiesce to certain issues and, and to be a comfort and to be that leader, that earthly shepherd. We must keep them in prayer all of the pastors, even the ones that are doing not good things, and I don't share their names specifically. You've never heard me mention anyone pointed an accusation. When you hear me mention a name, it's because they are a truthful person. They are biblical. I've tried their spirit, and they are good speakers, and they're good counselors, and they're good teachers. And it's a laudatory example why I share the name, but I'm not going to point my finger in accusation and say, oh, well, so-and-so is doing this. Like I shared with you uh, a little while back about this group of men who were naming these preachers and their churches by name and, and declaring that they were of the devil and they're Satan worshipers and they're not. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And specific names that they mentioned, I'd already tried their spirit. And the Holy Spirit told me that they were truthful, biblical, and that their word was good. So who are you going to listen to? Mammon or the Holy Spirit? And the reason I go that way, coming back to this, is because in my study, we have to remember that it's not what we do that earns anything with God. It's the character of our heart. And the, the only doing part is that we are being about our Father's business. The only thing that God asks us to do in believing that Jesus Christ died for us and having faith in him and leaning in to listen to the Holy Spirit and allowing that to take place and listen to that still small voice and sometimes we have to just sit in silence and try to filter all these things out. But there are so many different voices in our heads. Some of them are our own thoughts of, man, what am I going to do this and that and this and that? And man, I got to have that done by Friday. I'm going to have that. And so-and-so wants this by Saturday. Oh, man, I just got so much. And then, of course, there's a white noise interference that comes from the minions, that chatter that comes from Satan in the dark place and it wants to take you into that darkness. And those voices are constant. The other ones might come and go, but the constant haranguing, nagging voices, <coughs> pardon me, are those of the minions of Satan himself. He sends them after to try to knock you down, knock you off the path, knock you off your walk, to get you to become discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. God is with us all the time. But here's the import. What voices are you going to listen to? 
What voices are you going to listen to? And as the flock members, which we are, some people get agitation about being compared to sheep. Well, that's too bad because it's described in the Bible in several places. And Jesus Christ himself declares himself to be the good shepherd. And he also says that my sheep know my voice. So what voice or voices are you listening to? Are you hearing our Lord and Master's voice? Our good shepherd's voice who will lead us beside still waters? Who will lay us down in green pastures? Who will comfort us? His rod and staff, they comfort me. Some people think that that is to poke the sheep and get them to go where they want to want them to go. That's not what that's for. It's to protect them. And the old uh, shepherd's crook, they used to call it, and little Bo Peep had it and had the big hook on the end. That was to help sheep when they got stuck. They could reach and kind of put it underneath their forelegs and sort of pull them along. And it was fresh. They'd use it to pull them out of holes in the ground that they've fallen into. That staff that Jesus Christ, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He's not about whacking anybody with it. It's to protect and keep us safe to beat back the wolves that will come. He has described the minions of Satan and Satan himself. Peter described him as a wolf and a lion. Jesus Christ described him as a wolf. Paul has described him. Brothers and sisters, he is real. He's out there. And you have to know he is. But we can talk to the Lord and help for guidance by the Holy Spirit. And as I've told you, that the Holy Spirit will give you discernment over which voice is the one to listen to. Be in constant prayer. Pray without ceasing. Pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you if it's nay or yea. The... <laughs> I have such a ponderance over this and I, I, that so many would rather listen to everything that's being said by mammon, but yet they have such a hard time hearing God. And I've heard people that claim to be Christians say, well, you know, it's really hard. I, I really can't tell if he's talking to me or not. Are you sitting down in quiet meditation on the word of God and on God and listening for his voice? Or are you ambling about doing all this other stuff that you think that you need to get done at that particular moment? It's kind of hard to hear that still small voice when you've got so much trash cluttering around And the minions love that. They love us to be distracted. God knows that that happens. Just come back to it and keep on praying. I remember I shared with you when Peter was bound in prison, he had chains on two ends and two guards were chained to him. And that's when the angel came in and gave him a whack in the side and said, hey, Peter, Petros, rock, Stop sleeping like one and get up. Follow me. Get your clothes on. Let's go. And he found himself outside the prison. But here's the thing. At Mary's house, where they were gathered in prayer because they were so fearful of what they were going to do with Peter. Herod wanted to kill him. Oh, Herod was ready to run the sword and, and the Romans were eager, eager to be into this. And here is the truth came to help to heal to nurture, but yet they despised him so much that they jumped on him and put him to death. And, and it wasn't just a simple death. I mean, they beat Jesus Christ with the cat of nine tails, as some people would recognize that name, perhaps. 
but it was a leather strop and inside it had leaded beads that ran down the length of this. And there were a number of those that were put together in these that they used on Jesus Christ. The anointed son of God who came for me and anyone else who will believe and listen. They beat him till his flesh was nearly gone from his back. And then they gave him the beam to carry up to Golgotha to be placed on it to be killed. And as I shared with you, his crucifixion was much different than anyone else's. In the day that Jesus was crucified and nailed to the cross, people were bound to the cross, they were tied, and then later the soldiers would come and break their legs so that they would fall down and suffocate ultimately. But not with Jesus. By his wounds, I am cleansed and set free. By his stripes, I am washed and I am redeemed. And anyone else that will believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and hear the voice of our good shepherd, the Holy Spirit will guide us and it will lead us in the direction that we need to go. And we run around sometimes in absolute circles. <laughs> in circles, like a small child, when you see children, they get all excited, they're at a gathering or a big to-do or you know, at a barbecue and all the children are together and they're running amok, <laughs> pretty much. They're having fun, but they're doing what children do and they're running all over the place. But when they hear the voice, and the voice is mom or dad, Johnny, Joni, come here right now. And it seems like it doesn't matter where they're at. When they hear that voice, they come a galloping. Gotta go. Maybe we'll be back. Gotta go. The Holy Spirit is the voice that you need to listen to. And all these things that go on and, and those incessant running around that I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to get that done. Man, what am I going to do that? And then in the midst of that, here come the minions chattering and drawing your attention away from what you should be doing. Or And there are many that fall to that. Brothers and sisters, my demons like to come at night after I'm tired, working. And then in the morning, I get up <laughs> thinking that um, I want to sleep some more, but the Holy Spirit is talking to me, rouses me, and then I get to sharing on the time. And that's the voice I, I love to hear. The others, they come in and they pester. And then if I fail at something that I should have been doing, then the thing that they love to throw on there is they love the self-degradation, the attitude, and how everything turns sour. Oh, man, how are you going to get up and share the word after you did that or, or that you missed doing this or you missed doing that? How are you possibly going to be able to get in the Bible? God's not going to listen to you. Oh, no, 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 no. Lies, lies, lies. And remember, too, also that fear is a liar. And fear comes from the devil. Condemnation comes from the devil. God will not condemn you. And he doesn't condemn you for anything. And then you have those questions, well, why, why does God make hell, you know, for all the people? For the, well, he didn't. Hell was created to hold Satan and those that were cast out of heaven that decided to follow him. And the expansion and remodeling began because all of those in humanity decided that they would listen to that way and disrespect churches, disrespect each other, follow what Satan has them to do. And some are even 
working that way now and they're brother and sister you just have to open up your eyes but the ones that are still alive that have not perished the ones that have perished already are they're in hell and that's why the expansion to make room but those that are still here even those politicians that I've shared with you and you have the voices that oh Democrat, all Republican, all Libertarian, all this, all that. And you have all these groups that are jumping on these various bandwagons for things and all those voices and people get so confused. Hold on to the word of God, stay in prayer and listen to the Holy Spirit. All those voices and all those things cause a breaking apart and, you, and you're, you're pulled hither and thither and phrase my mother used to use. <laughs> Gosh, I'm sounding more like my earthly mother and father every day. But they're drawing your attention. And it gets so confusing. Sometimes, sometimes people will make themselves sick by listening to all these things and not knowing which way to go. There's only one way to go. Go to God. Listen to the word of the Holy Spirit that will come and speaks in a still small voice. And it's a very fine example. I told you when Elijah took off running because Jezebel was going to kill him and he became afraid, he went and hid in a cave. And he was told to go out on the mountain. There was a strong wind. There was an earthquake. There was a thunderstorm. There was a fire and all these things. And nothing. No speaking. No word of God. And then he returned to the cave and then the voice. He could hear the voice. He got out of the confusion. He got all out of all the loudness and all the turmoil and all that was going on around him. This is a very fine lesson that God did. God teaches us things, sometimes through hardship, but it's a lesson definitely worth learning and getting through. And remember this, that God does not leave your side, even in the midst of that. I love that song, The Rescue. Find it. Listen to it. It is so poignant and it's so on point with exactly God. I'm sorry, but I'm... <laughs> no, I'm not sorry. I'm actually... I like when I get like this because I love God. I love the Holy Spirit. And he will rescue me. It doesn't matter how deep the darkness. He will bring his light and be there. It doesn't matter how deep or hard the fight. He will be there in the midst to rescue me. And it doesn't matter the distance because he will not stop marching until I am found. The lesson that Jesus was teaching about the lost sheep and many, many didn't get, understand that. They were confused. Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. And when that one lost soul, the prodigal son or daughter that gave away everything and they backslid into whatever they were doing and coming and repenting and forgiveness. Remember, God pulls you in and gives you that massive God bear hug and you feel like he's going to crush you. And then he sets you at arm's length and he looks at you and he smiles and he says, of course I do. I love you. And then he will kiss your brow and hold you again. And hold you again and again and again. It doesn't matter. And you say, well, how many times is that going to happen? Until God runs out of love. And guess what? That's never going to happen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will hear and listen and decide that they shall be saved.
and they will not perish, and they will have that everlasting life. The minions of Satan try to get you away from that thought, but listen to his directions. And you have to refuse to allow those other voices to draw and confuse. And Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. <coughs> Pardon me. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, not multiple denominations that are saying this and that and the other thing about the other one. No such thing. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I can find that in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Take it, read it, and hold on to it. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's in John 10, 4. I shared with you before an acquaintance of mine who was a shepherd. And they were wandering to the different fields and they would put the sheep all in one fold. It had an opening. There was no door, no gate. Sheep don't like that kind of stuff. They're, they're kind of an interesting animal, much like, much exactly like mammon. <laughs> much the way we are. Many don't like to be closed in. Many don't like to be shut in or shut out. It's the same thing, but there's no gate. They don't put a rope or anything across. The shepherds take the turn of their watch at the gate and not so much to keep the sheep in because they know that they're not going to leave. They're comfortable. They're bedded down for the night, but they protect the sheep. They keep out any intrusion. And when they get ready to go their way, one shepherd at a time steps out and he calls his sheep. Might have a little whistle or something that he does. He didn't expressly describe that, but he said they just call the sheep. The sheep go. They ne There's four of them that do that together. Not one time, not one single time over the many years that they've been doing that, have the sheep become confused and went out with the other shepherd and got mixed up in his flock. They never ever had an incident where they got mixed up. <coughs> Never happened. And interestingly, one of my other compatriots and teachers and men of God that I have tried to spirit and listen to, it comes from John. 14 and 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus Christ was sharing that with his disciples. He was getting ready to leave, to head to the house. <coughs> um, in John 14, 1, I'm going to flip back to this passage here and, and share, but Jesus was getting ready to leave. The disciples felt very comfortable that Jesus was there. And they kind of took for granted, I think, that he was going to be there all the time. But, and there were some, actually, I, I shared this with you too, is that some, when he did his little, what they, um, oh, shoot, I forget, Pastor called it something, the uh, Olivet Dissertation or something. And he, but he called a group, and they were, they were on the Mount of Olives, and he was sharing with them. And there were some that actually walked away. 
because he was saying, hey, I got to go. I got to go. It's my time. My hour is just about, and I got to go. And there were some that walked away. They just, well, man, he's not going to be here anymore doing all this stuff. I'm not interested anymore. He's not going to be showing me stuff, this and that, and healing and miracles and chastising the Pharisees who bother us all the time. If he's not going to be here doing all that stuff, what am I going to even stick around for? John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Here again, you have some of those that were, yeah, doubting Thomas, always brought up <laughs> to me some silly question. I mean, if you have something that's so blatantly obvious, and then of course, Thomas. Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Hello, Jesus just spent all this time walking with you, teaching you, sharing the word that came straight from God, and the word is right there with you because the word was made flesh, and the word was with God from the beginning. Hello, Thomas. Run upstairs and click on the light in the attic right quick. But that's why they called him Doubting Thomas or where that phrase came from. Oh, don't be such a Doubting Thomas. Because everything that occurred <coughs> and didn't have proof positive, I mean, when Jesus Christ made the water into wine, Thomas was worried about his business and didn't know. And then you have Jesus Christ telling him the truth, the word, and that he would be doing what he promised to do. And I have to go. You know where I'm going. I've shared it with you. I've told you where I'm going. And if you've studied the words of the prophet, you've, they've told you too. But then Thomas says, how do, we don't know where you're going. How do, we, how do we know where you're going? Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. <laughs> Sadly, there are Christians that are claiming that title only, name only. They don't study the Bible. They don't listen. They don't pray. And when church is over, they go to that little tomb, throw themselves in that easy chair, grab a sweet tea, unsweetened tea, and some of them even chugging beer. And they roll the stone over the doorway, and then they pull that lever back on that recliner and start switching the channels around with a remote control. And that's what their Christian walk is about. SpongeBob Christians, secular Christians, true Christians, not hardly, but they can repent. They can do a 360. And the word repentance only means, um, get the translation right, to repeat the steps in a different direction. You change direction. That's all that means. There's no great big beating the drums and thunder and lightning clapping over the house with a God simply grabs you, hugs you, kisses you, smiles and said, of course I forgive you. It just means that you change direction. You were walking one way, then you did a complete turnaround and traced your steps back the other way where you were supposed to be when the detour came up because you didn't have faith that the detour was a road and you were going to go your own way. How's that work out? It doesn't. And when Thomas asked him that, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Wow. You know, and the rebuke, because some, some of them were really, they seemed so confused. And I, and I just, um, when you have empirical evidence, which is being presented every single day, and because he's there, that somehow, I don't know, of course I wasn't there, so I can't do, but I just know in comparison to what's going on around everyone now, this is why faith is so important, brothers and sisters, because we don't see God and we can't, haven't seen physically seen Jesus. But I tell you, I share with you that I have physically seen angels and I have my guardian for whatever reason. God allowed that to happen, but he gave me that insight. He allowed that to happen. I don't know if he felt I needed it at a time or, or what is he, I don't even, I didn't even question it, but he allowed me to see my guardian, brothers and sisters. <sighs> and the angel I shared with you before that I watched vanish, didn't disappear in fog, didn't step into a shadow. This woman vanished right before my eyes, walking and then was not there. Kind of like Enoch. Enoch was a friend of God's. God called him my friend. And it was spoken of that he was a friend of God's. And Enoch went walking with God one day and then he just was no more. No one to bury, no one to put in a tomb, no one to wrap in, in the burial cloth. He just was no more. He and God kept on walking and they went home. That's how this angel. And Philip asked Jesus and says unto him, reading further in verse eight, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long a time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believeth thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that delivereth, that dwelleth in me, and he doth the works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than them shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatever ye shall ask in my faith, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And he also reminded them too. This is what some folks <laughs> have an issue with. And I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the word seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. 
Brothers and sisters, this is exactly what we have, the promise of Jesus Christ, that we have to have faith and hold on to it. We have to know this, brothers and sisters, in our hearts. And this is what Paul wrote in Hebrews. And this is what our faith must be. Faith. Is the substance of that hope to see Jesus Christ again coming with the host of heaven as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the conquering king, when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Brothers and sisters, this is this is a must for us. Be of good courage. Be of sound mind. Pray one for another. And in Job 5, when Job was having his troubles, one of his friends, supposedly to comfort him, reminded him, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. <coughs> Pardon me. That's true, that is a truism, but what real comfort was that of Job? If, if you don't know the story of Job or don't remember the story of Job, Job was quite a wealthy man by their cultural standards at that time, very wealthy. And Satan started tempting and tormenting and God just told him, said, Job will never give up. He will be true, and his faith is strong. Satan said, ah, I can break him. God said, no, you can't. You let me have free reign on him, and I'll show you that I am powerful. And God allowed this to happen, but he also told Satan in no uncertain terms Man, I wouldn't want God to do me like this, but God just looked him right straight and he said, you will not touch him. Touch what he's got, but you won't touch him. You will not touch him. <coughs> Job, they're at a dinner party and one fellow comes in and talks about a son. One fellow comes in and talks about another one and his whole family and another and another. And it just kept going. Job wound up absolutely penniless, lost everything. He had completely everything, but he did not give up. I mean, he, he felt unsure. He was afraid and he had all these things that are going on. But how can you not with all those things going on? But he did not renounce God. He did not curse God and he did not give up his faith. And he just had a conversation with God. He said, God, I have nothing here. Just let me let me die and come home. <laughs> just let me go. Instead, all these yahoos came over to sit with Job and this guy was trying to comfort him saying, well, you know, you're born into trouble. The sparks fly up. It's going to happen. What comfort in there was that? It's a truism, but it's not very comforting. And just like I shared with you here, when he told his disciples, he said, I'm going to go, but you're not going to be left alone. You don't take a nice comforter and put it on the back of the couch to, that's meant to throw over your legs, keep you warm on a little chilly night. You don't want to turn the heater way up. And then you go to use it and say, oh, no, 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 no. Don't touch that comforter. So the comforter being the Holy Spirit, what good is the Holy Spirit if you don't use the Holy Spirit? If you don't talk to the Holy Spirit, you don't ask for the discernment, you don't ask the Holy Spirit to help you with all these voices, what sense? Jesus sent the comforter for us to use. And remember also, too, that Paul writes in this letter to the church of Philippi. <laughs> and he tells, the, he tells the church in Philippi, and he reminds them, 
that you are to be anxious for nothing. <coughs> Pardon me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious. Actually, in the King James Version, says be careful for nothing. That doesn't mean that you worry so much about it, you become distraught. All these voices are coming. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> I give that little emphasis because you've, hear, you've heard me mention it several other times. The mind is a very weak link, and Satan knows that the mind is the weakest point of attack. That's why the helmet of salvation. Read some of the things that Solomon wrote about. Read David's words. Satan attacked, and a lot of the attacks were taking place in minds. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out and my coming in. When I lay my head down on the pillow this evening and I'm about to do in a few minutes, I will be praying before I go to sleep. Be anxious for nothing. These things that are in this world, know that Lord God, Abba, Yahweh, is sovereign. Be blessed.